everybody. Okay, Katie Bloomstein here. Um, we are going to wait another minute for everyone to sign in. Um, just so you know, I currently teach at Mar Manhattan, and now we are running a night program, and we have a new series starting tonight called Holy Woman. And what we're going to be doing is discussing the seven Nivios, the Shiva Nivios, the seven prophetesses, and we're going to talk about what they have taught us, their lessons they have taught us, how it impacts our lives. And I'm so excited for this collaboration between Me'ar, Ignite, Thank You Hashem, we got Facebook Live, everything is going. And um, I'm really excited about this. So before we get started with the actual Nivios, what we're going to do, we're going to do a little intro on prophecy, and we're going to try to understand a little bit about Nivua. Okay, and then with the help of Tali, we're going to break up into small groups and we're going to do Habrusas and we're going to learn from amazing source sheets that actually Tali put together tonight. So thank you, Tali. Give it up for Tali. And um, we're going to drop some knowledge on prophecy. So prophecy is often confused with um, that little magic eight ball that like I used to get when I was a kid where you would... Like, you would ask the question, like, am I going to get the main part in the play? I mean, that's definitely what I did. And I would, like, shake the ball, and it would say no. I was like, hmm, let me shake that again. So I would shake it again, and I'd be like, oh, yes. I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. Or will I, you know, get the job that I want? And you shake it, and oh, it says yes, right? So that's actually not what prophecy is at all. Prophecy is actually um, age-old, and we're going to discuss that a little bit, and we're going to discuss um, what Nibuo really was and how it ended and if it's coming back. And I'll give you a little hint, it is coming back. So the way that prophecy works was, and the mechanics and how to experience Nibua is something that we have to understand because it comes from a different world. It's not something that we have right now. So back in the day, there were over a million prophets up until the era of the first base Hamikdash. Once the first base Hamikdash was destroyed, we had very few prophets left. There are some remnants of it, but it's not in its full blown glory of prophecy. So what was prophecy? How did he do it? So it's similar a little bit to um, Harry Potter, um, where they would go to school for wizardry, right? I know we have some Harry Potter fans here. I know Rachel's here, and I know she loves Harry Potter. Um, so where they would go to school and they would learn to be a wizard, they would be taught the ways to connect to magic and whatever they were, else they were doing. So Nivua was a similar concept where people would go to school, they would learn to meditate, they would learn to connect to Hashem on a much higher spiritual level than one that you can see physically, okay? So it was less tangible, it was more about meditation, it was more about connecting to Hashem on a higher level, and then the nevuah that came out, the prophecy, was kind of like the leftover of that experience that you had with God. So it was a way to connect to God, okay, like a spiritual connection, kind of meditative going into another world, but not something that you can physically attach yourself to. And then the words of prophecy were there that you were, the, the words of prophecy were what was kind of left over, and that is what we know as Nebuah. So now, back in the day, we, like I said, we had over a million prophets. However, in recorded in the Torah, we only have 48 prophets and seven prophetesses. And the reason is because they are the ones, these prophets were recorded and their prophecies were recorded because they have what to do with the future. 
Okay, so they gave us information that we will have for the future, therefore their prophecies were recorded. Okay. So now why did prophecy end and how did it end? And let's learn a little bit about that. Okay, so there are a couple of answers. And like it comes to all Torah, there's always the simple, easy, go-to answer, the most like, you know, the common one, not so deep, just, just touching the surface of Torah. And the Rambam explains that you, the reason that we don't have prophecy anymore is because we no longer have true happiness. And in order to connect to Hashem in the full, like in the, to the maximum, you need to have real simcha, you need to have true happiness. And since the destruction of the first piece of Mintash, we don't have that happiness. And therefore we cannot experience Nebuah. We need to be in a happy state. And because you're not, and because we're in a state of depression, globally we're in a state of depression because we don't have that connection, therefore you can, cannot connect to Hashem on that level, and you cannot experience Nebuah. There is no vessel to hold the Nebuah. But when Mashiach comes, and we're all going to be happy again, then we all have the ability to have Nebuah, give prophecy, connect to Hashem. And a person is able to overcome that sadness, that natural inclination, and it's possible for a person to have Nebuah even in today's day and age. Okay. That's the practical answer. Now let's go one step further. Okay, the Gra explains like this, that up until the first temple, we had Nebuah. However, it stopped because the sages felt that there was something else going on in this world that was giving us a lot of aggravation. Okay, and that was the Yitzhahara, or the evil inclination, or the drive to idolatry. Now, between me and you right now, that sounds so interesting because, like, we don't really know many friends who bow down to idols or, God forbid, bring their children up as sacrifices. We don't have this concept of idolatry anymore because it's not necessarily something that we're dealing with because that drive for it was taken away. So what happened was there was something really, really bad going on for the Jewish people. The state of the Jewish people were actually... It was being threatened because of Abu Dhar, because so many Jews were worshiping idols and so busy with black magic and the occult and, and other dark powers and witchcraft, all of that, the first temple was therefore destroyed. Now, the sages felt that if we don't take this drive away, it could be that all of the Jewish people will be destroyed forever and we may not be able to stand on this earth. So they felt it was so strong. So they called out to Hashem. They had a plan. They said, Hashem, please take away this drive for idol worship, right? We can't even imagine. Like, we can't because we don't have it anymore. But we're like, please take away this, this, this drive to do it. And Hashem said, I will. I will take it away. However, when I created this world, I created a system. Sorry. When I created this world, I created a system. And the system goes like this. It's checks and balances, okay? In Hebrew, it's called, when Hashem created this world, Hashem says, Hashem created a balance. Just like he created spirituality, he also created impurity to balance it out so that we can continue to have free will. Let me give you an example, okay? When you're a kid, and this is how I was when I kid, you found out you had a substitute teacher, right? So a substitute teacher is just like, that's literally like an open door to like make trouble, pass notes, play pranks, switch seats, pretend that you're not there, right? However, when the, the principal puts in a substitute, what does the principal do? The principal does like every 15 minutes a check-in to make sure that everybody's behaving. 
Why? Because she knows that now she's opened up like a can of worms of troublemakers. So in order to squash the troublemakers down here, what she does is, is she comes in and she checks in on everybody. So now it's Zela Umasa. So now there's a balance. So imagine there's all this nevuah and prophecy and connecting to Hashem over here. But we take away all the drive for idol worship and bad things. We push it down here. Now there's no more free will. Because now all I want to do is connect to Hashem. Now that's an amazing thing because now I have Nebuah and there's prophecy and skyrocketing. However, there's no more free will because I don't have any drive to point down. So Hashem kind of kept everything balanced like this. So he put the set, he put the substitute in, but he keeps coming to check on us to make sure that we're good. So now there's a balance. So when the Chachamim, the sages, when they came and they said, please, we want to take this away. We don't want any more idol worship. We don't want this Yitzhahara. It's destroying us. It's killing us. In order to keep it balanced, Hashem said, okay, I'll take that away, but I'm also going to take away prophecy. Now, here's the question. Why are those two connected? Why is prophecy and um, the drive for idol worship on the same level. So in order to understand this, we're going to try to understand the connection between these two. We're going to look at something that the Miftam Aliyah brings down, and he says like this. Um, I apologize. From Rabbi Shlomo Alkovitz. Shlomo Alkovitz, he's the one who actually wrote L'Cha Dodi, that famous song, the Kabbalist, that lived in the 1500s in Eretz in Tzvats, okay? And he says like this, okay? He says that the experience of Nevuah has nothing to do with the intellect, okay? The driving force, okay, of a person that would want to push them to connect to Hashem in that kind of way, in that, in that spiritual, meditative, prophecy way, it's something that comes from the imaginative faculty. It does not come from intellect. Now, let's understand what intellect comes from. If you're a very intellectual person, you are not necessarily driven to become a prophet or a prophetess or another. Because the objective of the intellect is to understand something that you can see and touch, something that's tangible. So for example, science, mathematics, there are laws, there's, you know, um, 10th grade math, geometry, right? There's, um, is it 10th grade geometry? When you, have to, when you have to do proofs, right? When you're setting up a system of proofs and maths and, and of math and with triangles and, and similarities and congruence and whenever I'm pretending that I'm dropping some, some knowledge over here with math, I don't know. But that comes from the world of the intellect as opposed to the world of imagination where somebody who's curious or um, somebody who doesn't necessarily, who, who does things and not necessarily can be explained. Some areas that are hazy or unexplainable, that is intrigued all from the drive of imagination. The intellect is interested in finding answers, okay? So now, what we can understand from here is that the Chachamim, the sages, when they took away the Yitzhahara for Abu Dazara, did they go up to battle, slaughter, taking Arthur's sword and slaughter some kind of, of Abu Dazara for, for idol worship? Did they go and make some idol? No. What they did was they shut off the valve of imagination. They closed that drive that we have to see things in an imaginative spiritual world, something that's not necessarily down to earth, something that is beyond the three-dimensional world. So when they shut off that valve, they diminish this force for imagination. 
And then what ends up happening is the world of Jewish people, of the whole world actually, not only the Jewish people, were very much affected by this change that happened. So we have imagination is shut off, and now we're driven into a world that's purely intellect. Okay? So we're in the world of imagination, of creativity, of big global things, of like a world where there was like the Jewish people were dealing with like murder and emotions and right? That's the world of the first temple. We're then driven into a world where the focus is on intellect. So the whole general focus of Judaism shifted. Okay. I'm sorry, Holly, do you mind just reminding everyone just to mute themselves? Sorry, we have some- I'm not the admin, I can't do it, so I'm trying. Okay, thank you. Um, So what we see from here is that the whole general focus of Judaism shifted into a world from imagination to a world of intellect. So now let's understand something. Let's look at the world post the first temple. We went into a world of halacha, of details, of learning of the, the world of the Talmud, the world of the Mishnah. This world of details was not dealing with the bigger things that they were dealing with in the first temple era. Now we're in the second temple era and we're dealing with the world where we're actually going through and fleshing out the oral Torah. So we have a world where we're not necessarily focused on those bigger issues, but in more detail. So we're focused on Hilcha Shabbos and we're the little minor details of the mitzvot, of what's muksa and what we're allowed to do on Shabbos. So in order to get rid of the idolatry, they had to shut off that valve imagination. Now that imaginative faculty has been banished for very, very, very long. But at the same time, they also caged the Yitzhahara for idolatry. And not only that, Rav Cook explains actually that the love of Israel and the love of the Jewish people also are part of qualities that are less cerebral and more imaginative. Okay, so hold that thought. The love of Israel and the love of Jewish people is part of that also. So now let's understand. If the imaginative faculty was diminished, okay, back then, something is beginning to happen, and we spoke about this last week, in the last hundred years. Okay, now who was on the cover of Time Magazine 100 years ago, right? Albert Einstein, scientists, mathematicians, the world of intellect, the world of science, the world of math. But something drastically changed and shifted that, I don't know if I should say this like out loud, I mean, obviously I'm here on Instagram and Facebook Live, but people are not necessarily as interested in that as they were years ago. Right? People now look up to actors. People look up to people who are entrepreneurs. People are into gaming and apps and coding and Facebook and Instagram and filters, right? We are now in a world of imagination, right? I know I'm quoting Willy Wonka, right? In the world of imagination. All of modern society today is built on the importance of imagination. With the rise of imagination, intellect falls. Just like when imagination was shut intellect rose now that we're not let's say necessarily seeking that of intellect right the most important thing would be you got to go to college and you got to get a degree and you got to get a job and now it's like eh, i can also just be an entrepreneur and make my own company right so even the intellectual progress that's happening now is all for the purpose of furthering our imagination so even if there is intellect it's not like intellect totally disappeared but now the whole fact that as imagination is climbing 
we are now getting ready for that realm in that world of prophecy. So now, you can, you can be concerned with all of the imagination and the creativity and the Facebook and the social media and everything that's happening, but you have to be conscious that this shift of psychology that is happening now in the human beings means that the world is actually getting ready to experience real nouveau. A person is no longer satisfied in a three-dimensional world, right? If things aren't good, you just put a filter on it, right? That's what we do. But the idea is that kids even nowadays, right? Everyone's so busy with their phones and with their Instagram and their filters and all those things. That's all because they're involved in imaginative world. And to take it even one step further, okay, for those of you who know me, I'm a school psychologist. Every day somebody else is walking into our office. Oh, my kid is ADHD. He's diagnosed with ADHD. He lives in another world. You know, my daughter's teacher asks her, like, where are you? Middle class. And she's like, oh, but I love it here, right? That's a little scary, but that's really what's happening. We're kind of like zoning out. We're giving kids meds to suppress all their inattentiveness. But what if all that inattentiveness and what if all that imagination and creativity is just the influx and the rise of prophecy starting to come back, right? The objective of our generation is to introduce to them Torah that's a little bit more imaginative. So any of you are in, you know, the world of education, we talk about this all the time, multimodality approach, right? Kids who benefit from tactile cues, kids who need manipulatives. Where does this all come from? This comes from a world of past intellect, a world of imagination, a world of creativity, where in order to understand math and science and Torah, you need to feel it, you need to touch it, you need to go to museums, you need to see things, you need to do field trips. This has become so important because this is how we are going to create future Nevi'im, right? Future prophets, right? Now we can say, oh, everybody's on their phone, everyone's so busy and everyone's in it lives in another world and you know this one's only busy with how many followers they have. Or you can understand that this is a major shift in our time period that we are now experiencing that's going to prepare us for Mashiach, for the end of days. So we have to realize the strength and we have to harness the strength and prepare ourselves for prophecy because that's the world that we live in. So just to recap, what happened was after destruction of the first temple, that valve of imagination was shut in order to allow for the idol worship to go down as well. It has to be even. And now we can understand that as we're getting closer to the times of Mashiach, and we are going to need prophets, and we're going to have need prophetesses, that imagination faculty is rising. And with that, other things are rising too. I'm not saying that everybody's turning into, you know, witchcraft and, and you know, magic eight balls and tarot cards, which I don't know how to read those, and I never understood them. But the idea is what we're realizing is that there is this shift. And this change is happening and we can accept it and we can realize that all these things that are happening are just preparing us for the times of Mashiach. So if you're interacting with people who are ADHD or interacting with people who are creating their own company or entrepreneurs or people who live in that world of imagination, you are actually interacting with people who are tapping into that ability of prophecy. So what we're going to do now for the next seven weeks is we're going to be introducing all of the Shiva Nevi'os. We're going through them and we're going to send you a timeline and you're going to get to see how Sarah and Miriam, Devorah, Hannah, Abigail, Holda, and Esther, those are the seven prophecies. We're going to go through all of them and we're going to learn a little bit about their lives and the prophecy that they gave during their life 
and how that's going to affect us on a daily basis. So for example, we're gonna learn the famous prophecy that Sarah taught, and with that information, we are going to see how we're going to implement that in our lives. And it's important because these people are matriarchs. These people, you know, Sarah is one of the matriarchs. Miriam was Moshe's sister. Um, Devorah, she was a judge on her own. She was like Devorah for president. I mean, we never had like a female person in that position in any other time other than during the time of Devorah. We're going to learn about the life of Abigail, who was one of the wives of David HaMelech. We're going to learn about, I see you smiling over there. We're going to learn about Esther, who was married to Ahasuerus, and Cholda, who was actually probably one of the least famous ones. So we're going to learn about her and Chana and how she taught us about prayers. So the prayers that we have now were brought to you by Chana, by a woman. So I'm super excited about this new series, Holy Women. Um, we're constantly going to be streaming it. It's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on Thank You Hashem Instagram. It's going to be on Zoom um, through Mayor Manhattan. And I'm really excited and I'm looking forward and I'm going to take some questions. So thank you so much for joining.